Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew begins a new series from the book of 1 John, speaking on A New and Improved Gospel, preached on November 26, 2000. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. I want to speak to you about this new and improved gospel against which St. John, the disciple of the Lord, wrote his epistles, three of them, 1st John and 2nd John and 3rd John. First, let's look at the background. The Johannine epistles were written to deal with certain leaders of the churches in Asia Minor who stopped preaching the orthodox doctrines and they began to proclaim a new and improved gospel of denials. You see, by this time, Peter was martyred, Paul was martyred, and churches near there were having serious troubles. And that's why St. Paul wrote 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. Now the Apostle John was the leader of these churches. He moved from Jerusalem to Ephesus and ministered there until probably the end of the century. He had the responsibility of overseeing a number of churches. And he was preaching the old gospel. Paul preached. Peter preached. He was also engaged in literary activity writing and publishing the Gospel of John, and I believe after that the epistles for the instruction of the people in the most holy faith. But he had many opponents in these churches who felt that they had moved beyond the elementary stages of orthodox theology to a new intellectual position which called old affirmations into question, relying on their belief that they were inspired by the Spirit and claiming a direct knowledge of God. They thought that they no longer needed Jesus or his teaching. They argued against a real incarnation of the Son of God in Jesus and these intellectuals probably adopted a view similar to that of Serinthus, an Ephesian and a contemporary of St. John. Now we have some idea what Serinthus believed from Irenaeus of the second century. He reports a story that Polycarp used to tell about Serinthus that John, the disciple of the Lord, going to bathe at Ephesus, and perceiving Serinthus within, rushed out of the bathhouse without bathing, exclaiming, let us fly, lest even the bathhouse fall down, because Serinthus, the enemy of truth, is within. Irenaeus tells us a little more about this Serinthus, he tells us that he was a man educated in the wisdom of Egyptians. 
taught that the world was not made by the primary God, but by a certain power far separated from him and at a distance from that principality who is supreme over the universe and ignorant of him who is above all. He represented Jesus as having not been born of a virgin, but as being the son of Joseph and Mary according to the ordinary course of human generation, while he nevertheless was more righteous, prudent, and wise than other men. So the leaders of these ancient churches, I suppose under the influence of Serentianism, abandoned the living bread of the Orthodox Gospel. The Apostle John wrote his epistles to oppose this heterodoxy. These leaders, these intellectuals, caused a split in the ancient churches. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 19. They went out from us but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Or chapter 4. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out, that is, gone out from the church into the world. They probably organized their own community and were trying to seduce the believers in the true community of God with a different gospel. Now, this is nothing new. St. Paul had to face the heterodoxy of the Judaizers who insisted that the Gentiles must first become Jews before they can be saved, that salvation was not by grace alone, but by human works. Galatians 1, beginning with verse 6, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. That's what heterodoxy is. It is a perverting of the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Remember he, St. Paul, he had to face heterodoxy, which said there is no resurrection. And the whole 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians is written to deal with that perversion of the gospel. He had to deal also with hollow intellectualism and phony spirituality. Colossians chapter 2, 8 through 10. 
See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition. Verse 9, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and you have been given fullness in Christ who is the head over every power and authority. And verse 16, therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. Verse 18, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the price. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen and his unspiritual mind puffs up with idle notions and so on. Or 2 Timothy from chapter 4 beginning with verse 2, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine, orthodoxy. Instead to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Or turn with me to the book of Jude. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men and so on. So that's the background. Sophistication, intellectualism, keeping up with current and new ideas. And eviscerating the gospel by denying the person and work of Jesus Christ. So secondly, we want to look at heterodoxy. Heterodoxy opposed by the apostle. Orthodoxy means right doctrine. The apostle John, he was the first cousin of Jesus Christ, son of Zebedee and Salome. He was the disciple whom Jesus loved, the brother of martyr James, the one who was entrusted with the care of Mary, the mother of Jesus, the one who is known as the apostle of love. Now with apostolic zeal, thunders against the opponents of the true gospel in his epistles. Let's look at the language that this apostle is using in reference to the opponents of the gospel. He calls them liars. Chapter 1 verse 6 and chapter 2 verse 4 and so on. Liars! Modern evangelicals don't want to do that. We want to be very charitable. I don't want to be more charitable than Jesus Christ. Anyone who preaches the gospel that is different from the apostolic gospel is a liar. Jesus Christ said your father is the devil because he lies. 
Secondly, he calls them deceivers. Chapter 2 and verse 26. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. Plan and thorn, present participle who are engaging in deceiving. They were carrying on deceiving. In the name of sophistication and philosophical speculation and intellectualism. They took away the gospel. And gave them the cow dung of hopeless misery. Let's uh, look at another term that is used. Antichrists. Chapter 2 verse 18 and 22. Chapter 4 verse 3 and Second John verse 7. They are antichrist. They are against Jesus Christ. The son of God. Our only savior and king. That's why we don't preach nonsense. We preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because he alone is the savior. And he alone is the king of kings and lord of lords. Let's turn to chapter 3 verse 10. Another charitable term the apostle used. Chapter 3 and verse 10. This is how we know who the children of God are and what? And who the children of the devil are. So that's another nice word. What is it? These people are children of the devil. Or turn to chapter 3 and verse 15. There is another word. They are murderers. They are murderers. They are murderers because they hate the brothers. That's why they are murderers. Because they hated the community of God's people. Look at chapter 4 verse 1. Another term. They are false prophets. Oh they claim charismatic. Mystical connection directly to God. The Lord told me. These are liars. These are false prophets. They are anointing. They are anointed. There is no question about it. But their anointing is from the devil. That's the truth. It has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. And let me tell you who would listen to them. Those who listen to them are those who refuse to repent. And believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because they don't want to conform to the biblical gospel. And they will listen to anybody who will stroke them and massage them. And will never confront them about their wickedness. God never saves a person without repentance. And confession of their sin and faith in Jesus Christ. And they are called workers of evil and iniquity. Let me tell you what is the heart of heterodoxy. What is the heart of the perversion of the gospel? It is the denial that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That Jesus Christ is God-man. So let me tell you what these people taught. First, they denied Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. 
Jesus Christ is both God and man. True God and true man. They denied that. Chapter 2 verse 22 and chapter 5, 1 and 5. They denied the pre-existent second person of the Trinity. Took upon himself human nature. They denied that. Chapter 4 verse 2. They denied the authority of the commands of Jesus Christ. Chapter 2 verse 4. And we have nice Christians who don't want to have any authority of Jesus Christ in their lives. They are autonomous people floating about. They denied their own sinfulness. Chapter 1 verse 8 and 10. In fact, they claimed they were without sin and they claimed they never sinned. You think modern man, he accepts this idea of universality of sin. But the reformers spoke about the pervasiveness of sin. St. Paul spoke about it. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You think people like that? No. The sophisticates, the modernists, they hate the idea of sin. In fact, they say they are good. We have no sin. We never sin. They denied also salvation through the work of Christ. Chapter 2 verse 2. They denied God's ethical demand that we love one another. They denied righteous conduct being the requirement of fellowship with God. They went about and say, we have fellowship with God. We know God. We are in the light. Without any demand for any kind of righteousness, holiness, or purity of life. See, theology is the basis of ethics. When you don't have theology, right theology, then you have all sorts of problems with personal conduct. Heterodoxy produces heteropraxy. They denied the responsibility of every Christian to live as Jesus lived. And they denied apostolic authority. And therefore authority of scripture. I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do, how I want to do. Who are you to tell me? What to do? I am free, autonomous. And these people taught that salvation was by gnosis. A Greek word means knowledge. And our English word no comes from that. Not at all on the basis of the knowledge of the person and work of Christ, no. They said man should be liberated from ignorance. Man should know himself. Know thyself. You heard that phrase? That's what it is. Know thyself. What is it that we should know about ourselves? That his true self is a divine spark. Trapped in the material body. Which is all evil. So enlightenment is the realization. That my true self is the divine seed. Imprisoned. In a body that is evil. 
All matter is evil, only spirit is good. The material universe is not created by the absolute God, but was created by a being far removed from God, the God of the Old Testament. Because matter is evil, Christ the Son of God did not unite vitally to Jesus the sinful man. Therefore these people said either Jesus Christ appeared to have a body, docetism, or Christ the Son of God in the form of a dove came upon Jesus at baptism, but he went away before Christ was crucified. However way you want to look at it, it was a denial of the humanity of Jesus Christ. Death of Jesus Christ, they said, has no atoning significance. Because matter is evil and so body is evil, there is no resurrection of the body. Jesus was not virgin born. Jesus was sinful. Jesus is not the son of God. Jesus Christ is not the savior. He is not the Lord. His commandments have no authority. People with this knowledge of self are not sinners. They are the pneumaticoi. They are the spirituals. And therefore they are decayoi. They are the righteous. No wonder they said we have no sin and we never sinned. They are above law. They may practice, if you please, extreme asceticism or extreme libertinism. Whichever you want to choose. We have no need for Jesus Christ or scriptures or historic redemptive events. We are directly in touch with God. And therefore, Apostle John tells us, they claimed they have fellowship with God. They claim they are without sin. They claim they, are, they never sinned. They claim they know God. They claim they are in the light. I have heard people making phony claims in my pastoral life. You try to tell them, they don't want to listen. They would rather believe the lie than repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of this heterodoxy, this evil twisted doctrine, they practiced evil. They became proud. They walked in darkness. They loved the world. They hated brothers. And they practiced iniquity without any sense of guilt. Thirdly, let's look at what is orthodoxy. St. John tells us in these epistles what orthodoxy is all about. Orthodoxy affirmed and demanded. Not only he exposed heterodoxy and opposed it, but he affirms orthodoxy and demands it. There are certain tests that he gives us. First is Christological, theological tests. Do you believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? That is, Jesus Christ is God and man, one person, two natures, as our creeds affirm. So chapter 2 verse 22 and chapter 4 verse 2 and 3 tells us apply that test and see if they do not believe that Jesus Christ is both God and man then they are false and they teach perverted doctrine. Secondly 
do they affirm that Jesus is the son of God chapter 5 and verse 5 10 and 13 do they affirm that the pre-existent eternal second person of the trinity number 3 theological test chapter 3 and verse 23 do they believe this command of Jesus Christ and this is his command to believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and to love one another as he commanded us would you submit to that command of the Lord Jesus Christ and then there is the test of soteriology which is do you believe that Jesus Christ died in our place that he is our atonement that forgiveness of sin is received because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ do you believe that or not chapter 1 verse 7 and 9 chapter 2 verse 2 chapter 4 verse 10 and so on first is the person of Jesus Christ second is the work of Jesus Christ in our behalf in history on the cross do you believe that chapter 1, 1 through 4 here is this profound affirmation that the pre-existent word of life appeared in history and we are told by this eyewitness apostle that which we have heard, that which we have seen, that which our eyes look at that which our hands handle convincing proof empirical evidence and that you can have eternal life by believing in him you can have eternal life he is eternal life by believing in him you can have fellowship with the father and the son and the church of Jesus Christ and why you should have fellowship with the father and the son that your joy may be full the happiness of man comes by linking yourself with God the father and God the son and linking yourself with his people that's what happiness and joy is all about so first Jesus Christos secondly Evangelion the gospel thirdly koinonia fellowship fourthly kara joy this doesn't come by listening to modernists and changing speculative Gnostic nonsense. That's the first test, theological. Second, there is a moral test. If you have correct theology, there will be correct morality. You must walk in the light. You must walk as Jesus Christ walked. In other words, you simply cannot believe in orthodox doctrine and live like a devil. It is an absolute impossibility. Number three, there is a social test. That's a test of fellowship. And it will be exclusive. We don't fellowship with everybody. We only fellowship with people who are born of God, who confess correctly the faith who are committed to obedience who love one another if you say you are a Christian and if I say I'm a Christian then I must demonstrate that it is an absolute essential thing which these Gnostics rejected they hated the brothers 
And number four, there is a political test, which is test in reference to authority. You will accept the apostolic authority. And you will accept the authority of the Holy Scriptures to govern your life. You will accept the authority of the ministers of the gospel. You will accept that. You will not float around and say, I am free. I'm an American. I'm free. Oh, glory. I'm free. You don't do that. And finally, assurance of salvation. You see, these Gnostics were going around. And putting condemnation upon ordinary believers who believed in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. Oh, they went about and seduced them and said, you are not really Christian. You are not really saved. You don't have eternal life. You see, we have eternal life. We are the really saved people who reject Jesus Christ in total. And so Orthodox Christians began to be confused. These heretics were very certain about their salvation. I have seen these people who have nothing to do with Jesus Christ, but they are very certain about their salvation. Very glib about it. And others are concerned about it. Others are worried about it. And so here it is. Finally, the apostle gives them assurance of salvation. I have written this to you that you may know. That you may have certainty, that you may know, that you have eternal life. Who? Who believe? Tois pistiusin, who believe? Eisto onama tu huyu tu teo. Those who believe in the Son of God, you have eternal life. You are in fellowship with the Father and the Son. Therefore rejoice in God with joy unspeakable and full of glory. They are not the same. They have no eternal life. You have eternal life. And I have a word for you, sophisticates, if you are listening to me. In the church or in the radio or in the internet, wherever it is. I hope you will put away your foolishness, your arrogance, your modernism, your intellectual sophistication. And bow down before Jesus Christ. Bow down to him, submit to him, acknowledge him, kiss his feet and you shall be saved. He who believes in him shall never die. Heavenly Father, we pray that you have mercy upon us. Deliver us, O Lord, from itching ears. Deliver us from new and improved gospel. Lord, help us to delight in the old gospel. The true gospel. The gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. This is the only gospel that proclaims salvation is by grace and through faith. Plus nothing. Hallelujah. And we rejoice in it. Help us to believe aright and behave aright. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen.